Hello, everybody. Pastor Greg Hagan here again with you. Listen again, just thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast. Uh, thank you again for that. Really, I do appreciate it. I don't take that for granted. If you have any show ideas or any questions or comments, please get a hold of me, even just to say hi. Let me know how the ministry of the podcast and the messages are helping you in your Christian walk. As we just try to, again, have family reflections and helping you to live that biblical Christian life. You can message me on Facebook. Uh, you can find me there under Pastor Greg 2. Also in Gmail, same way if you want to email me. It is Pastor Greg 2, P-A-S-T-O-R-G-R-E-G 2. That's the number 2 at gmail.com. So today what I've got for you, this is the Sunday message. This was actually the message um, for the end of March that I was preaching there at Gulf Breeze RV Resort be going back there again next year for the winter time and so this was the final message and this is one that I entitled where was Jesus you know I, I think that there's a lot of breadcrumbs throughout the Bible a lot of different scriptures that lead us to some amazing and wonderful thoughts about what Jesus did after he gave up his life on that cross and before he stepped out of that tomb victorious and so I want to show you and put some of those pieces together for you I get excited as I think about the victory that Jesus won for us on that cross and how he is the one that has the keys to hell and death and what he has done to set us free and how glorious our champion is. And so we're going to take a look at the battle that is ongoing between God and Satan and how that God defeated Satan at home. He defeated him on earth in a neutral environment and ultimately defeated Jesus or defeated Satan on his home environment and so pretty interesting when you put all these pieces together and then of course we're going to see our loving Jesus making a stop to take care of one special person and so that's how he is he is always available never too busy so I pray you open your heart open your Bibles follow along pause the podcast take a look at some of the scriptures and just let the word speak to you if there's anything I can do again please get a hold of me and let me know in the meantime enjoy the podcast well, good morning for the last time for a while. As we uh, come to the close again of this season and time, I do hope and pray that just like we prayed and you heard me say, it's just the closing of a chapter in the book that God is writing with our life. And it's exciting to think about as we go into the, the next chapter, the next season here, what He's going to write and what He's going to do in and through each and every one of us. Again, I, I do hope that next uh, uh, November or, you know, this fall when you come back, tell us some stories of what God has done over the summer and what you've seen happen. Uh, you know, I think we ought to have a great time of praises uh, those first couple of weeks together, don't you? And so let's make it happen. Let's see what God can and will do over the summer with us. And so today, as we come to the close, I've held on to this one. This is um, uh, something that I spent a lot of time in prayer and really studying and putting together and trying to piece together some different things from the different scriptures that we have for you. So there's a lot of different scriptures. I shared a few of them right there for you in our readings that we just had. But there's a lot of things that I had hit upon as I was reading the Bible that said, what is that all about? What is, what's going on there? And so God began to show me over a time and a period how they kind of all tied together. I called it last week, picking up the breadcrumbs and making a loaf of bread out of it. You know, there's different slices of bread that God has given us that we need to put together. I hope you're excited about the Bible. 
You know, it's one of the things that I've tried to really do in my ministry is try to make people excited to get into God's Word. I love hearing things like, I've read the Bible numerous times and didn't see that or never heard that or thought about that. Um, you know, I, I love bringing a different perspective, a different angle on things. Uh, you know, because here's the thing. I'm a pastor's son. I was in church before I was born. And so as a kid, I heard the Bible stories and events over and over and over. And I'm like, God, there's more here, isn't there? And that's the exciting thing about God's Word. It's as deep as you want to go. Amen. There's as much in there as you want. People say, well, I don't get much out of it. Got to put more into it, you know, because there's a lot there to have. And so I encourage you, when you find things in the Bible, and there's still things that I haven't made sense out of yet. There's things that God has not revealed to me yet, and I'll keep studying, and I'll keep finding, and one of these days He'll show me. But this is one that, that I get very excited about, and I love to share with you. And so I want to close our time together in talking about, you know, where was Jesus? What was going on? When Jesus was crucified, he was then laid, His body was then laid in that tomb. And of course, we know the first day of the week that Mary and you know, the others went to anoint His body, to prepare His body, because Jesus was taken down in such a hurry. And there was a lot of things going on there too with Jewish traditions. And He had to get down because it was against uh, uh, their religious morals, you know, for that body to be there at that time as the Sabbath was coming. And so they needed to quickly get Jesus' body in the tomb. And so there wasn't time to prepare His body. And so they were going and they were going to prepare and to be there to take care of Jesus' body, to do what they could for the man that they loved so much. You know, I want you to remember that for a moment and think about that morning when Mary and those ladies went, you know, and they were to prepare the body and their thoughts and their minds. But what was Jesus doing? You know, we, we know when Jesus was crucified that I don't believe He was just sitting in the tomb, you know, waiting. Do you? You know, well, I'll wait till Sunday morning comes around and I'll walk out of here. So what was going on? What happened from the time that he gave up the ghost and gave up his life until that morning when he was walking again and alive. Well, what does the Bible say? And there's a few things here that I want to share with you. The first thing that I shared with you this morning is there in Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15. And it's talking there, O art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will set also upon the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell into the sides of the pit. You notice that, uh, first of all, that verse is not just past, but that's future. One of these days, God is going to drag the old devil out in front of everybody and say, there he is. That's what's tormented the nations. That is what, and the Bible says that you're going to look upon it and go, that's it? That's the devil? That's what's been driving us crazy all this time? And God's going to say, yeah, that's him. By the way, he's going into the lake of fire now. And so we see that, first of all, and we're thinking about basketball. Anybody thinking about basketball right now? A few people. Well, you know, what happens in sports? Have you ever noticed in sports you have a home team? You know, you have rivalries, right? And so there'll be a rivalry where they'll have a match at one team's home, and then that team will go away and battle that, that team in their home, and then there'll be neutral sites, right? 
It's what God and the devil have been going through. The rivalry between God and the devil has been raging for a long time. And right there we read in Isaiah, and you know, of course, in the Old Testament, we see how that uh, Satan in heaven, God's home, decided he was going to beat God. And so the old devil walks into, and I can just see it now, you know, the old devil, Lucifer, he just kind of kicks open the door to the throne room and walks into God and says, God, I'm here to take over. And God looks down from the throne and says, you're here to do what? I'm here to take over. I think that I have the right to this throne. I think I have the right to be God and to be like you. And you don't have a monopoly on this. And I'm here to take that throne from you. And God just took his little finger and just said, flick, goodbye. And of course, the devil was cast out. And it says a third of the stars were taken down by his tail. And that talks about a third of the angels that were taken with him. Because remember again, Satan is a created being. And so if the devil was alone... He'd be busy messing with John, and he wouldn't mess with me. If it was just him, he's not like God. He's a created being. He's going to be in one place at one time. So the devil, you know, had a third of the angels that rebelled with him and took those along, and that's his army now that is out creating the chaos in our world and our lives. So the devil lost in heaven. So God won at home. Well, then we go on and we see something else happens. What's the next battle between God and the devil? Maybe the Garden of Eden. See, this is neutral territory. The earth. The earth is God's, but the devil has equal power, really, it seems like. And so the earth is kind of neutral. The devil lost against God in heaven, in God's home turf. And so here we are on earth, and so God creates the earth, and God creates Adam and Eve, His greatest love and joy and pride in man, and He puts them in that garden. The old devil is watching the whole time. The old devil realizes, you know, I couldn't beat God, but I'll go after His greatest love. Just like I've told you with me, do what you want to me, but don't touch my family. You see, I I don't care what you say or do or what happens to me, but I care a whole lot about what happens to them. They're my greatest love. And so God in heaven, He's untouchable to to the old devil, but the devil looks in that garden and he sees the love that God has. He's jealous of what he can't have in that relationship. And he sees what that family, what that Adam and Eve means to God. And the old devil says, aha, here's my chance. So the devil comes in and he gets Eve and Adam to give in to temptation and to sin. I think the devil's celebrating, don't you? You realize the devil was really celebrating because he's he's egotistical. I mean, the devil thinks he's the greatest thing ever. And so the devil realizes that he has just finally beaten God. And so the devil is setting back, and of course, as you read there in Genesis, here comes God in the cool of the evening to spend time with His greatest love, and Adam and Eve are doing what? Hiding. God says, who told you you were naked? Well, that woman, remember we've gone through that sermon of what happened there and how fingers were pointed everywhere. And the old devil is just sitting over in the corner laughing. The devil is sitting back, got him a big old cup of coffee, whatever, sitting back just watching the show. Can't wait to see what's about to happen. And God turns to him and says something. He says, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to send enmity between your seed and that seed. I'm going to bring 
a champion. I'm going to bring a Savior. I'm not giving up on you. I love you. I care for you. And even though you have rebelled, even though you have spit in my face, you've slapped me in everything that I believe, I still love you and I'm bringing a Savior that's going to bring an answer to you. The old devil dropped his coffee. You didn't give me a second chance. Why would you give them a second chance? And so the devil, he won, but not really. And so the battle still goes on. And then you remember back around Christmas time, I shared with you the message about all that God did to bring Jesus into the world. Because the devil knew, okay, if I can get rid of this Messiah, if I can get rid of this champion, if I can beat him, then I've beaten God. I'm down zero to one right now. God kicked me out of heaven. I lost in heaven, but I'm going to win this round. And so God brings Jesus into the world and the devil does all he can to bring an end to his his plan. The devil does all he can to defeat God, but God, amen, is greater. God is two steps ahead of what the devil could ever think about, folks. And so God brings Jesus into the world and then finally you remember at the baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit reveals Himself, God speaks from a voice, and then of course He verifies and says... This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. At that point, God steps back and lets the devil and his champion go at it. Immediately, the devil's taken up into the wilderness, or Jesus is taken into the wilderness and tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, yet without sin. From then, the battle continues to rage. The devil knows that if he can defeat Jesus, it's all over. And so it comes to the time of the cross. The ugliest event in history, but the most beautiful event in history at the same time. As Jesus willingly laid down His life on that cross for you and for me. You need to be careful the words you say. His blood wasn't spilt, it was poured out. You spill something, it's an accident. There was no accident. Jesus willingly, listen folks, I believe it without a shadow of a doubt, that when Jesus laid down on that cross, they didn't grab His arm and stretch it out. He stretched it out. As if even saying, right there, guys. Put it right there. I see Jesus looking at that soldier as He drove that nail with love and compassion in His eyes. I forgive you. I forgive you. And driving that nail, I see Jesus willingly doing all that He did. Because I'm telling you right now, listen, nails didn't hold Jesus to that cross. His love for you and for me held Him there. As He had to raise Himself up to get every breath to stretch out upon those nails, read a medical examiner's report of the crucifixion, folks, of what He went through. And I'm going to tell you right now, I wouldn't have gone through a bit of that for any of us. But I'm not Jesus. As He held on to that cross and held on and did what He did for you and for me. And finally, He said, Father, into Your hands I commend my spirit. Even in death, He gave up His life. It wasn't taken from Him. He gave it willingly. I imagine the old devil cracked open a few bottles of champagne and started having a little party, don't you? He had done it. He had won. He had won. Well, here we are now. 
So the devil is in hell celebrating, having a party with all his little demon friends and all of his buddies. They're rejoicing over what they had just done in bringing an end to Jesus. Well, the Bible says a few things. If you look at your handout for the, the Scriptures, where was Jesus and what was Jesus doing? Well, Jesus told us in Matthew 12, He says, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. We looked last week and talked about the grave, or Sheol, from the Old Testament. When you read about Lazarus and rich man in the New Testament, I reminded you that that is still technically Old Testament. Because until Jesus died and rose again, the New Testament had not begun. And you do realize that in the Old Testament, too, they had the sacrifices, right? I don't know about you, but I couldn't keep up if I lived in Old Testament time. You had a dove for this, you had this for that. I mean, there was a lot of rules and a lot of structure and a lot of things there that, man, I just got lost. All right, I did this sin, so what do I got to do for it? I had a hard time keeping up. But everything they did in the Old Testament was just temporary. Remember, I mean, they grabbed the best lamb they could and they would lay their hands upon him, which was transferring their guilt and their sin into this animal. And then they would slaughter and sacrifice that animal, its innocence offering a sacrifice for their guilt. And that would be okay until the next time because it was still just temporary. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't the ultimate sacrifice. And so sacrifice was ongoing. It was continual. There was never the perfect final sacrifice to be able to be offered until Jesus would come. And so the Old Testament, all the things that they were doing was foreshadowing what Jesus was going to do and to be. And so you also look, if you remember, um, you know, talking about uh, Moses. Do you remember that Moses, why, did he not, why was he not allowed to enter the promised land? What did he do wrong? Struck a rock. Seriously? You mean to tell me because the man struck a rock and didn't exactly do what God wanted that he didn't get to go in the promised land? Big part of that, folks, was that rock was representative of Jesus Christ. You know, that everything in the, the ark was representative of Jesus Christ. Those who will enter the ark will be saved. Those who will enter a relationship with Jesus Christ will be saved. If you don't, you're left behind and you're outside. You're not secure in the relationship with Christ. And so all these things were foreshadowing what Jesus was going to do. And so last week, when we saw Abraham's bosom, which some people might call paradise, or you might call purgatory, or some of those things, that would be the only thing that would be referenced to it, is those compartments we had in the Old Testament. Because until Jesus died, they couldn't go to heaven. Jesus was the entry... He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There was no entry into heaven until Jesus made it. And so when a person died in the Old Testament, those who died trusting, believing in the Messiah to come and kept the sacrifices and followed the rules and laws they had, they went to a place of comfort called Abraham's bosom. And across from them were those in torment. Well, when Jesus died... Something else that happened was uh, another verse that I've got for you there that you can see is in Revelations chapter 1, verse 18. Jesus refers to Himself in Revelations as, I am He that liveth and was dead, and behold, 
I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. So Jesus says there that He has the keys to Hades and to death. You see, when Jesus died, He went down to that compartment. He went to that grave. He went to where Lazarus was, and He went to where the rich man was. Could you imagine something, folks? So here's the devil celebrating what He's just done on the cross. (laughs) Jesus is the best party crasher ever. Amen? You imagine the devil down there in the grave and he's celebrating because they have finally done it. They have beaten God. And Jesus walks in and goes, excuse me, can I join the party? Oh, folks, listen, you ain't getting it, man. You ain't getting it. You see, now they're on the devil's turf. They're in the devil's turf now. This is the devil's home and Jesus just walked in. And the Bible tells you if you read your your second verses that I have for you in 1 Peter, the verses that are there for the sermon. If you open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. I want to put some of these breadcrumbs together. Maybe these are verses that you haven't thought about what they mean. But 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 20 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Verse 19, By which also He went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the longsuffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Jesus walked into that Sheol, that Old Testament grave, and those two compartments. There were two different reactions, folks. Please, can you understand something? What if you were an Old Testament saint and you had died waiting for the Messiah? And you're there in Abraham's bosom and you're there in comfort and guess who comes in? I think there was some shouting. Amen? Amen. Listen, folks. You know, there was some shouting when Jesus walked in and said, I'm the Messiah. I don't think he had to proclaim he was the Messiah, folks. But the Bible says he went and preached to those saints, went and preached to those that were in that compartment and said, I'm the Messiah, I'm here to take you home. But i got to go do something. Hang on, there's some more folks over here i got to go talk to. And he walked over to the other side. And see, this is where Jesus has the keys. What does it mean to have the keys to hell and death? To have entry, to have access. He can come and go. He controls it. He is the one who locks it and unlocks it. And so Jesus walks over to the other side and interrupts the devil's little party and says, I'm here to defeat you here now. I'm undefeated. You know, we beat you in heaven. We beat you on the cross. You thought you won, but you didn't. I won on the cross. And I'm here now to take those keys from you. And I can see him walk up, and I don't want to treat John bad, so I let my daughter be the devil. Walked up and said, I'll take those. And rattle those keys. And then Jesus looked at those Old Testament people that had died not believing in Him, not trusting Him, and said, Too late, boys. Too late. I won. And at that point, Jesus went over to that other compartment and closed it down. Jesus grabbed those Old Testament saints and said, Come on, we're going home. 
Man. That's why when, when I talk about the Lord's Supper and I share with you every time how Jesus says, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine henceforth until we drink it anew in my Father's house. See, Jesus is waiting for the New Testament saints for the marriage supper of the Lamb to where He's going to take. And that's why I say when I have that cup, I can't wait for that day in heaven one day when Jesus pushes back from the table, takes His knife and begins to bang on the cup and says, let's drink. This is my blood shed for the remission of sins. This is my body broken for you. One last time, we'll celebrate that at the marriage supper of the Lamb, folks. Because Jesus will lead it and complete it. Guess what, folks? He gathered up those Old Testament saints. And He said, fellas, it's time to go home. It's time to go home. And they closed down paradise. They closed down purgatory. They closed down those compartments. And He says, let's go home. But there's something else that happened. Oh man, the beauty that we have in the Bible, the beauty we have from God. I want you to look at something for me. I want you to go to John chapter 20, verse 17. John chapter 20, verse 17. Back up a little bit. Just go back to verse 11. So, <laughs> I think Jesus is a little excited. I think those saints are a little bit excited because what's fixing to happen is Jesus is taking them to heaven and He's going to one time, last time, pour out His blood on the mercy seat to offer the ultimate sacrifice with them for their sins. So just like He's going to celebrate the Lord's Supper with us, he sacrificed His own blood. He was His own high priest offering His own blood on the mercy seat in heaven with those saints. When they got to heaven, He offered one last final sacrifice for eternity for them on the mercy seat of God. And so it's an exciting thing to think about those saints. But Jesus said something, did something different here. If you look in verse 11 here in John chapter 20, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and see the two angels in white setting the one at the head, the other at the feet, wherein the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I, have, I know not where they have laid him. And when she said thus, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was him. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou have bore him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I'll take him away. Oh. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. I just, you know, those kind of verses get me. I can't imagine Jesus saying my name. He will. I mean, you know, and, and for him, that's all he had to do, folks. She thought he was the gardener until he said, Mary. And there's just something about his voice, something about his love, something about his life. And Mary knew immediately who it was. Rabbi, Jesus. Look at the next verse. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren, say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and my, to my God and to your God. You ever thought about that verse? It's not one of those breadcrumbs. 
Do you realize how great God's love is for you? I don't think you do. My popular thing that I keep saying right now is this, guys, and you've heard me say it the last few weeks. I keep saying it, and I'm going to continue to say it. God cannot love you more than He does right now. And the other side of that, God cannot love you less ever than He does right now. His love doesn't change. I think so many times as Jesus hung on that cross, do you realize that if Greg would have been the only one that needed Jesus, He'd have still done exactly what He did. And here is Jesus. He has just come from the grave. He has just come from gathering up all of these Old Testament saints. He has just come from snatching the keys and ruining that great party the devil had going on. And as he is gathering them up and going to heaven, he goes, Whoop, wait a minute, folks, got to make a stop. Got to make a stop. Somebody needs me. Mary is waiting and Mary is broken and I need to stop and take care of Mary. Reminds me again, remember that woman with the issue of blood and how Jesus was urgently trying to get to a little girl that was dying. But yet a woman touched him with her need and Jesus stopped. He's never too busy for us. And Jesus in the midst of this great celebration waiting to take these Old Testament saints on His way to heaven says, i got to make a stop here. i got to see Mary. And he stopped to see Mary and to let Mary know that everything's okay. Go, Mary. Get everybody ready. I'll be back. I haven't yet been to the Father. Don't touch me because, you know, you, you'll ruin the perfection. You know, you can't touch me. I'm, I'm, I'm sin-free and I'm going to offer my blood and I can't be tainted. You know, don't touch me. I, I've got a mission that I've got to do here with these saints. But I'm going to go take care of them and I'm coming back. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful to know how great God's love is? How great His love is for us? And then Jesus went on up into heaven, offered His blood on the mercy seat one final time, the ultimate final sacrifice for those Old Testament saints. And they went to be in heaven. I love that. To think about the great love that He has. To think about the perfection of the Bible, folks. You know, to look at the depth of things there, the breadcrumbs that we put together that we see that happens. Well, you know, Jesus won. God won in heaven against the old devil. Ultimately, God won on earth. Isn't it amazing? Even when it looks like God's losing, He wins. Looked like He lost in the garden. Looked like he lost on the, on the cross, but yet he won all the time. And I love that to think about Jesus. And that's what it means again in the, in the revelations where he has the keys to hell and to death. He gloated victory over those that were in hell. You also look in the Old Testament, there's a writing there in one of the Psalms that uh, talks about God will not leave my soul in hell. And a lot of people say, well, that was David possibly talking about himself. Well, it's referenced in Acts chapter 2 by Peter in one of his messages. And he clarifies that it is exactly talking about Jesus and what that meant. Um, so there's so many things, so many different pieces that are put together when you see exactly what the purpose was and what was going on. But I love that again, how Jesus stops to take care of Mary. No matter what you need, Jesus will always stop and take care of you. Remember that. Remember that all the time. How many times do we ever think, I don't want to bother him? 
I don't want to bother him. He's busy. He's never too busy for you. Never too busy for you. Father God, I thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you, Father, for the victory that he has won unanimously. He is the undefeated champion. He won the victory, God. You won the victory in heaven. You won the victory on earth. And you won the victory in hell. And now the final battle is in our hearts and our lives. Every day, we need to choose to let you win the victory in our heart, in our life. This summer, these next six months, God, we need to let you have the victory in our life. That we can come back and we can celebrate together what you've done. The victories that you have shown in our lives that we can share that with each other in the coming months, Lord. I pray, Father, that again, if there's anyone here who doesn't have that relationship with you, that they would get a hold of me, please, God. That's the most important thing. That's too serious to take for granted, to know that you know where you will be spending eternity, there in heaven with God, celebrating with Jesus. And I cannot wait to that marriage supper of the Lamb. We will celebrate one more time that wonderful remembrance of your sacrifice, your blood, your body that was broken and blood that was shed or shared for us. So Lord Jesus, lead, guide, and direct. Your will be done as I pray all these things in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.